Do you struggle with what it means to be successful in your retirement? Trust us, you're not alone. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Here, you'll go in-depth with Guidance Point Advisors Investment Consultants to hear stories about how retirees in Maine are navigating a successful retirement. Get insight into the inevitable challenges of aging and define what a successful retirement looks like. Well, welcome, everybody. My name is Ben Smith. I'm an investment consultant with Guidance Point Advisors. I uh, want to welcome everybody to our Zoom roundtable today. We are Guidance Point Advisors, and you have a majority of our team uh, on the screen with you right now. One of the things we wanted to do is kind of walk you through uh, some of the topics we're experiencing on a daily basis working with our clients. And the topic we really want to dig into is managing through market declines and a health crisis, right? So it's really just a, a kind of roundtable discussion. Uh, we'll go through several questions of it. But one thing I wanted to do just to kick off the conversation was just to go through and have have the team introduce ourselves. So again, my name is Ben. I'm an investment consultant. I'm based in Bangor, but we I cover the entire state. And what I want to do is, uh, as an icebreaker is a uh, favorite type of ice cream since we're coming up on, on summertime. So uh, I'm going to kind of lead off with fish food as uh, Ben and Jerry's. You can't get better than gooey marshmallow caramel. <laughs> And, and chocolate. So I'm going to turn it over to Wes next and have him introduce himself. Sure. And even out of the beginning, I'm going to take it one step further and tell you the place I like the ice cream the most is a place <laughs> called Four Seas down in Cape Cod in Osterville. Mint chip. That's, mm. what, that's what I go with, with hot fudge. Um, my name's Wes Delcole. I am the founder of Guidance Point Advisors. I'm also an investment consultant. And in addition to that, I'm the chief compliance officer. So I also oversee uh, compliance for the firm just to make sure that we're being compliant with all of our marketing efforts and everything else that we do. Uh, and I cover, I work out of Boston, downtown, uh, and have clients all over the country. Um, but, you know, primarily mostly out of New England, but I'm, I'm based in Boston. Great. Chris, have you uh, uh, introduced yourself next? Christelle Cole, um, and I'm an investment consultant at this point advisors. Been for the last few years. I cover primarily the Northeast region in the United States, uh, but have clients in Carolinas and Florida as well. And my favorite ice cream flavor is mint chocolate chip. All right. Ooh, Del Coles are sticking together on <laughs> mint chip. Okay. AJ, I'm going to turn it over to you next. I'm AJ Walker. I've been with, uh, I'm an investment uh, consultant with Guidance Point Advisors. Been with uh, Guidance Point for about eight years now, I think. Favorite ice cream? I guess we do Moose Tracks ice cream from a place called Fielder's Choice. They're all few locations in the state of Maine. My office is in Portland, Maine. Great. Uh, Abby, I'll turn it over to you. Okay. Um, my name is Abby Duty, and I'm also an investment consultant at Guidance Point. Um, I'm based in Portland, but definitely cover the entire state of Maine. Um, I am up and down the state very frequently. Uh, my favorite ice cream is pistachio ice cream with mm. marshmallow sauce on it. Pistachio. We got a lot of green going on <laughs> on, the, on the ice cream flavors. Larry, I'll turn it over to you. I am Larry Pelletier and formerly from Maine, but now in North Carolina. And my favorite ice cream is any kind of chocolate with chocolate on top. And I'll eat it almost any place. <laughs> Great. And Curtis, uh, I'll have you, uh, all of you back clean up here. All right. Yeah. Um, my name is Curtis. I am with Ben out of the Bangor office. I kind of serve right now as a, I guess you would call it client service investment consultant in training, you could say. Um, currently <laughs> studying to get licensed. My test actually got postponed due to the current state of the world. Uh, so hopefully that'll come back here pretty soon. Favorite ice cream? I would have to go with chocolate chip cookie dough. So probably Giffords. That's a main thing. I think Giffords is a main thing. Is it main only? I'm not sure. But yeah, so that's me. Great. Well, uh, thanks everybody for for being on the call. I, I know it's um, it's kind of just great to get together anyway. I know we do that from time to time, but uh, doing it virtually uh, again. Uh, so to explain to those out there that are watching this video, so we are recording this in the middle of the um, shelter in place uh, rules that are happening because of COVID nineteen um, that's that's going on. So the the time so again it's, it's the middle of April. 
2020. And one of the things that we wanted to do was to kind of go through, again, what are, what's going on, obviously, with the stock market, but the health crisis. And what we heard from the previous financial crisis at Bear Market was, what were you doing during those times? What were you talking about? What was, what was life like? And what better way to capture a time capsule than actually getting on a, a video like this today and doing it? So thank you all for tuning in. And one of the things I wanted to lead off with a, with a question was, hey, when clients are calling up right now, or maybe over the last six or eight weeks, and they're saying, hey, what's going on in the stock market? And what what's happening? I'll, I'll ask Wes just to start off with, and again, we're, we're trying to be careful about investment advice in these sorts of forums, and we're, we're not going to do that. But in terms of what's what's going through your head in terms of what are you telling them and how do you how do you counsel them? Well, in terms of what's going on with the market, the way I look at it is if you think of the market as a leading indicator for what's happening and you you realize what's happened as a result of the crisis in terms of so many companies and their earnings potentially being squashed down to almost nothing, you're seeing that the market takes that into account as sort of an earnings forecaster of future earnings. And it's saying, Whoo, prices are going to drop as a result. Um, so all of a sudden, we see the prices on all the stocks that we own and the funds that we own come down precipitously. And so uh, in terms of trying to counsel my clients on, on what to do during this time, and I think Ben speaks to what you were saying a minute ago about looking at, at prior crises is, okay, should, can you do some rebalancing? Uh, I think that's a very important concept to consider at a time like this, because obviously your stock market exposure is down, your bond market exposure may be up. Rebalancing back to what your targets are can be very useful in a time like this. The other uh, point that I would make would be remembering to stay long term in terms of your thinking and remember to be disciplined. It's very easy to capitulate in times like these and to think the, the world's going to end and the headlines are really scary. So I think in terms of trying to counsel our clients to be disciplined, uh, to rebalance, uh, when that's appropriate, um, and to think for, towards the long term are three very important points to consider at times like. And and it's in a way even more emotional, right? Because hey, people are are even more concerned of their own personal health is not only their own money, but there kind of comes this thing about well, hey, I'm concerned about my own mortality right now, or my loved one's mortality, or or people around me getting sick, and 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 they're also seeing a double impact with their finances and seeing. So it kind of heightens the level of fear and and uncertainty that's happening in the world around them when they're seeing multiple fronts uh, impacting them, right? No question. And I think that's unique to this crisis uh, compared if we look back, for example, to 2008 and the financial crisis, you really felt that more just on the financial side and in your, in your pocketbook or your wallet. Uh, whereas this has a completely separate emotional piece to it that I think we'll get into later with some of the other questions you have. Um, but absolutely. And I, and I think that makes it more difficult, quite frankly, to manage through because that your heightened anxiety. And we all know that when you're in a heightened state of anxiety, uh, your thinking and your behaviors can change and it can force you into making decisions that you might not otherwise. And so that's a key, key piece to this whole thing is keeping a level head. Uh, when times are uncertain. Yeah, I like that because again, it's uh, the emotional aspect of this is something that we're trying to contain for our clients, right? So, so Chris, when you've uh, kind of had someone that's is coming to you and, and they're in some sort of emotional state, and they're, again, they're asking that framework of a question, how have you uh, responded to them? Well, as Wes uh, brought up, uh, and, and you brought up, you know, this is a once in a lifetime event that we're going through. The new, the new normal is different. We're all at home, right? Uh, uh, you're not able to be uh, communicating with your coworkers as easily as you did before when you were all going through the crisis in 08 and 09. And I think one of the things that most of my conversations have been uh, centered around is risk in the portfolio. And it has given people a good or better understanding of what is the proper risk tolerance that a portfolio should have. Is your use of your money 20 years out? Is the use of your money 10 years out? Is the use of your money potentially only five years out? Well, each of those time frames would require different risk tolerance. And it's been a healthy uh, exercise to go through with clients and discuss that and understand that to earn proper returns over a long time, there's going to be ups and downs. And it is a very powerful tool to see that, you know, there 
the downs and ups can, on a long-term basis, eventually resort to positive returns, but there's going to be downs. So those have been the conversations we've been having, uh, or I've been having with my clients. Right. And I know, again, from the from the risk tolerance side too, is, is sometimes people don't even, they don't, they know we've gone through a lot of these conversations over the years, right? And And figuring out what the risk tolerances are. But, you know, sometimes they, they just assume when the market's going down that they've lost as much, right? And, and usually when people are entering retirement or, or even within, uh, they're probably not fully allocated to stocks like someone younger in their career would be, but they assume that they had all the loss. Uh, so it seems like sometimes the, the, the biggest thing to get out of the way in these conversations is how bad is it, right? Is uh, you know, how much am I down or how, how bad is it relative to what else uh, is going on in the stock market? So, so Abby, I'll kind of turn it to you, right? Those have been kind of our conversations is even right out the gate is just get the news out of the way. Where am I? How is it impacting our plan? And, and what, what have you kind of been doing in terms of your conversations there? Um, so to your point, yes, getting the news out is really important. And I have found that people just want reassurance or a lot of the people that I've talked to, they're really just calling to check in, say hi, see our view of what's happening and not necessarily even make any changes. But I think they really like hearing from us in times like this. So I've gotten a lot of good feedback about the newsletters that we've sent out. They find those really reassuring. And not that they say anything different than maybe, you know, the news or anything, but they like hearing it personalized from us. So those are the conversations that I've really been having. And and to your point, Wes, about emotional coaching, it's been a lot of that. So everyone is dealing with emotions right now. Everybody is edgy and not really sure where things are going in the future. And so just making sure that they know that they're, you know, we're taking care of their money stuff so they can focus on their health and what they need to do on a day-to-day basis. That's a good point. Again, I I like that, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of what people are trying to get out of us is, is confidence, right? Is Mm -hmm. they just lose self-esteem in these times and they, they're looking to us to provide that. And, and it's a process and it's a framework and it's not just, well, we just decided today to do something that you didn't expect that we have all these systems and structures in place that have been helping out. I do want to rotate to a, a different question though, is, you know, obviously with, with what's going on in the market is, you know, when the, when the stock market goes down by more than 20%, it's considered a bear market, right? And when the market's going up by that level, it's a bull market. Uh, so obviously when, when there's a bear market and people are seeing they've lost that level amount of money, you know, it raises all these things we've been discussing. But what lessons have we learned from previous bear markets we've applied to this one? And I want to start with Larry, and I'm going to go to AJ after that. So Larry, can we go to you first in terms of other lessons that you've you've kind of experienced from previous times that you've applied here? And then maybe the a later question we can ask is a contrast to that. But let's start there in terms of what have you learned? Okay. What we've learned is um, that we need to help people breathe and that may be the uh, a, a different answer, but I remember in, in uh, 1987, for those of us who are uh, that old, um, that we, we we lost a third of a value basically in a day, and that that got everybody excited. But what what the lesson is that we've, I've been able to bring forward to people, and what we talked about is going back to what Chris was saying earlier: things do go up and down, and they do cycle. But in 1987, if you had a dollar. In October, it, it went down to uh, roughly 75, 70 to 75 cents, depending on how you had it invested. But if you stayed with the, your program, with your process, with your goals, and you're able to breathe and say, okay, this isn't the end of the world, that on, on December 31st that year, your investment had come back to a dollar one. And I share that with um, people now. That's a lesson. Very careful not to say or to try to predict where the market's going and how quickly it's going to come back. But the the thought is to stay with what you're doing and to think about what you're trying to achieve in the long run. And I think that that's an invaluable lesson to take forward and to talk to people about today. So it's, it's very similar to what everybody else is doing, just a different concept. If you skip forward to 2008, we could talk about that all day long, but there are some similarities and some dissimilarities to 2008. But it's to get people to think through the process and to think through the situation and to have them really come back to you and be able to say, I don't think this is the end of the day. I don't think this is the end of life. We're going to work through this and we're going to stay on the course. Assuming that you are on the course they want to be on before the disaster hit. Right. Which is, I think, ultimately our job is checking with people 
as they progress in their life and, and getting a plan in place. And I know we have a bunch of golfers in, in this conference call too, but keeping people in the fairway, right? Is it doesn't mean necessarily that, mm-hmm. that we're, we're always hitting the perfect shot, but we're, we're getting closer to their goals with how we're allocating and how we're, we're uh, adapting to the risk tolerances, as Chris was saying. So AJ, I do want to adapt over to you, but maybe a better way or maybe another way to tackle that question is maybe, well, what is a little bit different in terms of lessons you've learned from previous financial crises and bear markets? Um, what have you, have you seen in terms of lessons, but also what's, what's been a little bit new this time? I think the new part is the personal risk, right? The individual physical, you know, health risk that is brand new. You know, the idea of the pandemic. And so people are worried about uh, them or their loved ones getting sick is a real big different, you know, big variable, big change here. I think when, when we've been talking to clients and we, we look at, you know, the, if you look at the stock chart of the S&P 500, you know, over the last, you know, during this bull market and, and up till now, it's not going to look a lot different than other bear markets and then how, you know, what our recovery looks like. And everybody seems to want to have this be different than everything else. I think from a, you know, it's a dramatic market swing. It's a, it's a lot of volatility. It's scary. But if, but if the financial plan's built on reasonable return expectations and the risk tolerance is taken into account, then people should be fine. You know, these are, these are not unexpected events. We just don't know when they're going to happen. We don't know what they're going to look like, but we know that the market goes through these gyrations. And when you have a year like you had in 2019 with the market up, you know, in 20 plus percent, you, you, you just know, we know in the business that that's just way above any sort of normal average. So we know that we have to plan for, uh, have financial plans built upon realistic um, assumptions for returns in different asset classes. So when we do that, that's fine. I think the big difference here is the fact that it's a, it's a uh, mysterious, invisible, physical danger. And that's so different than a lot of other bear markets. I'll, I'll add to that too. And, and again, uh, my previous uh, career iteration uh, was when, uh, within a community bank trust channel. And, and one of the things I, I really learned uh, from that is there were, in terms of conversations about what's going to happen when something bad happens, is that we didn't have a lot of that kind of training of, well, let's talk about the bad stuff too. And what is the plan going into it? So, and I know Abby's heard me kind of ad nauseum, Larry as well on this is, you know, getting these client meetings in for the last six, seven, eight years, it's been the echo of that mm-hmm. of, hey, and when when that bear market happens, here's what we're going to do. And here's the plan. So let's talk about that well in advance and keep repeating it. So and then when they're calling us right now, and they're asking, well, what are you doing? Well, it's just consistent with what we've been talking about over the our, our relationship together, so that there's not surprises. So when they call you up and say, well, why, why did you rebalance as Wes was talking about? Or why did you do that. Well, that's all part of what we talked about. It's all part of the plan. And it just lowers that uh, anxiety, right? It's just because, hey, we've already talked about it. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is why we we did what we did. And there's really just no surprise to all those things. And I think that's where, you know, again, in, in my previous uh, stop at in the financial crisis was they didn't know what was going to go on. They didn't know what you're going to do. So that actually heightened the anxiety, it heightened the fear. So when you ca- talk to people, they are on the edge and you had to go- let them go over that mountain of worry. So I, I again, I, I, I like that actually what, and I, I think we've been receiving uh, Abby, Larry and myself with a lot of our calls is people are actually going, how do we rebalance back in? How do we buy more? How do we, they've almost had the reaction of being a little, can we take more risk? And we've had to have that conversation about risk tolerances Chris was talking about there. So it's a, it's a little bit of an inverse weird kind of thing going on there. But, you know, from that end, again, I think that was a, it was a pretty good lesson. I, I personally learned there. I do want to rotate to, cause I think one of the things that I always gravitate towards is storytelling and obviously things are bad and, and we are having deaths right now happening because of this uh, disease uh, within the United States and globally. But what are, some inspiring stories that that you have heard uh, from your clients and how they're being resilient in these difficult times. And I want to start maybe go back to Wes here on this one. And is is there a story? And again, not again. We try to be confidential with all of our clients here. But is there um, just an activity somebody's doing that has kind of given you a little bit of glimpse of hope of of maybe this? There's silver linings to what we're we're doing, especially in shelter in place. I think there's a variety of things that I've I've heard from clients that. 
from in very particularly, I mean, I have a client that is a, a doctor, uh, works in a lab up here in Massachusetts, and his lab actually just came out with the first immunization test that's going to be used in hospitals. And he's been, this individual's in his 70s and has been going to work every day from the beginning and taking great risks to do that. And so there's exciting things like that. Then you hear from other clients, little things that to me are more community re- related about people who are still continuing to pay their housekeepers or pay their dog walkers or other pe- or help other people in the community, uh, even though they're not providing services, them kind trying to kind of keep the uh, economy going. So I, I feel like in general, what I have been hearing from my clients are, are, is a general sense of togetherness in this. And obviously that's in the small community and then you branch it way out to the country and then to the globe. Uh, one of the unique things about this too, AJ was saying it's unique because it's a physical uh, ailment is also that we're all in this together. I mean, every corner of the globe. Um, And so I think in many ways that's brought out the best in people. Uh, And I think we've certainly seen that in our client base. And I would just add, Ben, that I'm also proud of the way our clients have responded, even just from the financial side. Uh, And and I've I've heard many of the same things of people saying, hey, I've got some extra cash on the sideline. Is that better? Not necessarily to put back in the market, but is that better for me to use right now in retirement than to be taking out of my accounts and drawing down uh, at a negative time? Yes, let's think about stuff like that. So I think people have been very resilient in that regard and have really come together. And I've I've seen it pretty far and wide across our our client base. Yeah, and I'll piggyback on that too is one thing that has been pretty unique to this situation and has made me feel real good is one is people call you and they just go, I know you're really busy, right? And I know, can I just have five minutes of your time? And you give them 30 minutes or 45 minutes and they are just so appreciative. You know, I know you're just very busy with everything that's going on in life and and you're trying to counsel everybody and you're taking time for me right now. That's That's been a really great message to hear. But the second is, is they say, how are you doing, right? Is that you have that relationship with your client and they actually want to go, you know, I'm concerned about you though, is man, that's got to be tough hearing all of this feedback from people of, hey, things are bad and what's going to, in absorbing that all the time. So it's been kind of nice is to hear the, the, the personal concern, which I know in our role, but we're not at the medicine front line. We're not risk. We're not, you know, we're all sheltering in place here. So that's kind of an interesting um, kind of, it's been different than I've ever received in, in kind of other, other markets as well. Chris, at this point, can I send it over to you in terms of any stories that you have there in terms of uh, things that have inspired you, particularly the last maybe six weeks? Yeah, I think the most inspiring thing for uh, me is that none of my clients, I guess, I don't know if that's the way to represent. Everyone has heeded the advice, as Wes put it, we're all in this together, to stay at home. Um, and it's all we can do to uh, combat this virus. I don't know firsthand any of the individuals that are on the front line fighting it at the hospital. Uh, God bless them. But it's really heartwarming to, to know that all of my clients and then my immediate community is heeding the advice to stay at home and working together to fight this virus. Great. AJ, I'll, I'll switch it to you for a second. Anything um, you'd like to add in terms of a story you've heard? Yeah, well, it's it's the common refrain that um, people are using technology to stay in touch and connect like never before. This couldn't have happened at a better time in human history, actually. When we can, we're example today, we're, on, mm-hmm. right. we're all looking at each other and we can connect in a way that we never could have before. Families are doing this from, you know, from nursing homes and, you know, all over the globe. It's pretty, just an amazing time. So, you know, we're, technology is more involved in people's lives than it's ever been. It's been pretty great. And it's, it's kind of easy enough that, uh, or it's gotten to the point that it's easy enough to operate. I know all of us have challenges even today. You're trying to get it set up and Curtis and I are trying to work through bugs and how do you do this and how do you do that? And it's, uh, it's just something that, you know, we're all learning and we all have patience towards it too, that, you know, we have clients that are saying, Hey, I'd, I'd like to try it. And I'd like to try this video thing. And can you take a second and teach me how to do it? Let's do it. Let's, let's kind of figure this out. Cause for us, Hey, we want to make sure we're just meeting those needs and, and those clients there. Larry, I'll, uh, I'll throw it to you in terms of uh, obviously different, uh, maybe a little bit of a different market right in, in, in your community there. Any inspiring stories? Cause I, I know in North Carolina where you're at, you went through a pretty big, uh, hurricane that was 
in, in 2019, right? So you already had a community banding together, um, especially for a new community for you of putting people in. So you've kind of maybe already had a little bit of cohesion that's happened. So how, how has your community kind of reacted here after after that natural disaster in 2019? It's been amazing. I don't know how else to describe it. When Florence came through a little while ago, we didn't expect her to stay. First of all, we didn't expect her to behave as a hurricane like she did, to come and park for three days with, with 120, 130 mile an hour winds and you know 30 inches of rain and, and no forward momentum. And that changed life here in Eastern Carolina. It would be the same thing um, as if it happened in Eastern Maine. There's a lot of similarities demographically and geographically to uh, Eastern North Carolina and Eastern Maine to kind of put it in that perspective. So we already had a community or of Eastern Carolina working hard to try to put life back together. And I'm working on some projects here. There are still homes with no electricity. It's hard to believe they have no electricity yet or they have no roofs on yet or they have no repairs to the inside because there are not enough craftsmen available to do all the work you need to rewire, replumb, rebuild houses. And so you have a lot of uh, yokels like me out there trying, trying to help a little bit, but we really don't know what we're doing. So we, we can tear things apart, but you need somebody specialized to put them back together again. And there was a lot of hunger that, that came about because a number of people were displaced in that hurricane. So along comes this virus situation and you have people working even harder. I was working on that project this morning, rounding up some food for our food bank. I'm sure it's the same in Eastern Maine as it is here. You have small food banks or small food pantries that are trying hard to feed people from almost two years ago and are still working on that project. And now you have people who are displaced because we're shutting our economy down. Right, wrong, or indifferent. That's not a political statement. It's just a reality of what's happening. Our economy is shutting down. We have a lot of people with no place to turn. And so the food banks are under great duress to, um, because they don't have food from the supermarkets that usually uh, send it to them every day. You don't have it from restaurants who usually send it to them every day. You don't have as many people working, so they're not making contributions um, like they did. The demand is up. It was up 60%. Contributions are down almost a corresponding number. Talk about a situation. But what's happening as we're finding is that other people are starting to step up. A lot of information going out on local news, a lot of phone calls being made, and a lot of people who haven't participated in the past or didn't realize the problem was as, as large as it is are stepping up. So that's really a good thing. And I know that if it happened in Eastern Maine, not to leave the Boston guys out, but Maine's what I know, okay? That, that people would do the same thing there. You just step up to the plate. Other, so that's, that's an interesting situation that's, that's evolving. But the, the other thing is with our clients. I have been on the phone at Abby Notes because I'm always sending her a note or calling her and saying, hey, I just talk to everybody and here's where we are. Clients really appreciate the phone calls right now. And I know you all know that. And I always want to tell them a little bit about what's going on with their account, Ben, and what you're doing with, with investments or what Abby's been doing with projects she's responsible for. And they appreciate that, but they want to blow by that. And they want to know, so how is Ben? How's he doing? How's his family? Is everybody okay? How's Abby doing? They they know that she's a, still considered a newlywed by most of them because I have older clients. So Abby's a newlywed and they're <laughs> What about the rest of your crew? And they really, really want to make sure that everybody is healthy and in a safe space and that we're we're going to make it through, that we're just not calling them to stay in touch and, and to build up their uh, esprit de corps. But they want to, they really want to know that Guidance Point is, um, in the form of all of you folks, is okay. And that's something new. I've never seen that in 45 years. Of, yeah, and that's, of, that's pretty uh, special in terms of just, again, having mm-hmm. really great relationships with your clients and yeah. You know, in terms of how do you quantify whether you have a good relationship with a client is you feel that caring, right? As you kind of, you, you give it, right? And you give that caring to them and, and you're thinking about them, um, in, in AJ, I'll steer still his term is that you kind of think about your client more than sometimes they can think about themselves and, and you care uh, for them maybe when they're not even thinking or caring about themselves. So I think that's, it's just a level of care. And, and, and in these times you receive that back, even when they're maybe more heightened and, and more scared than they probably ever, ever been in, in some ways. So it's, it's been a pretty nice, um, outtake there. I want to, I want to rotate to another question here about, and this is, this is not, 
maybe financial related. This is just kind of a life uh, related question. What's been the biggest disruption in each of our geographies? Uh, so if you're kind of thinking like day to day, obviously just we're, we're sheltering, right? We're, we're not going out to restaurants or, or doing things like that and, and meeting with clients or meeting with each other. But what's been the biggest disruption in each of our geographies? And Abby, I, I know you kind of covered the biggest geography maybe of all of us uh, other than Larry going from uh, Portland, North Carolina, but maybe I'll start with you there, Abby, in terms of what are you seeing? Because you kind of have a, a few geographies that you covered there with, with houses and living as well. Yeah. Um, so we have a place in Portland, which we left when everything started shutting down. That's the most populated part of Maine. We have a place in Northern Maine that we came up to. We've been here for three and a half weeks now. Um, and the first cases just arrived up here last Friday. So it really has taken a lot longer to get up here. So until then, life was pretty much normal around here. I mean, they were still snowmobiling. We were cross-country skiing and snowshoeing. Grocery stores were fine. The biggest challenge up here is the Wi-Fi. <laughs> so it works well enough, but my husband, Casey, and I cannot be doing two work things at the same time. So especially mm. something like a Zoom call. So we have to take turns when one person needs to make a call, then the next can make a call. But if that's all we're dealing with, that's not a big deal. So, yeah. So we're, we're just going to wait for Casey to walk through and say, hey, guys, can you wrap this up? Because I need to, I need to make a call. Um, I know, gonna, it's true. <laughs> I'm going to turn it over to Curtis for a second, because I know, Curtis, you and I are in the same location and kind of geography in, in middle estate in Bangor. Uh, Curtis, what's been your experience in terms of the Bangor market that you've seen? Again, we're, we're pretty, I know we're not to Abby's level there with uh, Island Falls, but uh, what have you seen there? Yeah, it it's really been kind of surreal, honestly. Um, certainly in my life and clearly all of our lives, I don't think we've experienced anything quite like this, as AJ alluded to with the the personal kind of risk there. But just I I think everyday life, it's just you know I go to the grocery store and I have to stand in line outside, and and I'm not trying to make that sound like it's it's a pain to me because I know there's there's people dealing with much worse problems, but it's it's just so different, and they're counting people as they go in the store, and there's plexiglass built around the cash registers and you know it's just it's very different and uh you know it's yeah i guess there's no other word for it it's just different yeah reminders of how deadly this thing could be right yeah uh, you know there's there's uh, a pretty high mortality and, and really any mortality is high mortality it right. feels like too especially if it touches someone that you love and, and that you know but uh, yeah it's everywhere you go you're seeing those signs right of yeah. just reminder of being safe and also Make, make that we're not sharing it, right? And we're not uh, asymptomatic and then spreading to others. Uh, but in regards to the, maybe the Portland market, uh, AJ, what are you seeing there? I'm just working my way down the I-95 corridor for <laughs> you guys, Wes and Chris. Yeah, the same as everyone, you know, it's the lack of um, inner, you know, in-person meetings. So you normally see clients a lot. And so the, the just abrupt stopping of that and doing it all through, you know, video calls like this or, or you know, on the phone, uh, that's a that's a big difference. I'm normally traveling a lot um, in my client base. I'm on the road a lot. And so that's all stopped. That's weird for me. Um, you got that. And then um, in my personal life, just I'm very active in, in a somewhat large church. And so there's a, lots of interactions there that are now all of a sudden, boom, all online, all being, you know, all, all being, you know, streamed or, or doing video calls and things. So the, it's kind of a weird dissonance. On one level, my wife and I are perfectly fine. Everything's great. You know, we have everything we need here at the house and we have a place on a lake that's not too far away and that's, everything's great. But then, you know, but yet life isn't quite normal. It isn't normal at all. And if you watch the news, it's really not normal. But uh, in Maine, we don't, we really don't have a large outbreak of, of this yet. It's, I don't know, 1,500 cases and fortunately only 14 deaths so far. So we're, we're nothing compared to Boston or obviously New York. But uh, yeah, it's just a very weird, just, it's hard to stay connected with people like uh, normal. Yeah. And I know, uh, again, for our team, right, is, is, is doing these more frequently, right? Because it's easy to feel like you're, you know, every day is there's not a whole lot of physical separation from your work time to your home time. And, and that's weird. And, you know, you, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening almost by the minute at times, um, you know, I, I like using a quote of there's decades where nothing happens or it feels like nothing happens. And there's weeks where it feels like decades happen. Mm. And it's almost like that's that's kind of happened the last six weeks or so. Uh, Chris, I'll turn to you next in terms of any, any experiences you've seen in terms of your your geography or maybe some because I know obviously uh, uh, Massachusetts is having a little bit more uh, more of an outbreak than other locations here. As I had said, the community is um, 
all uh, heeding the advice and staying at home. Um, so I've never in my 20 years living in this community seen so many people out for walks, uh, which uh, <laughs> is, is good to see that they're doing that. It comes with a little extra baggage because we have two dogs and mm. our dogs like to say hello by barking a lot when another <laughs> human being walks by on the street or a dog. So our two dogs are doing a lot of barking lately. Um, but uh, family time on these community walks is nice to see. Nice. And Wes, I'll turn it to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the one big thing that uh, no one's mentioned yet is the if you have children and from a routine perspective, I think all of our routines are disrupted. But having the kids home every day is this kind of constant reminder, you know, because it's not summer, uh, that it's just not normal situations. And so navigating that with a little bit of homeschooling and trying to get them to do their studies when it's considered optional you know, three different grade levels has been a little bit of a challenge. So, but I think that's been the most different thing is that we're all here in the house together all day and have been for several weeks now. And it's great that to Chris's point, like we've done, we've implemented family walks and we're trying to do different activities and, and keep, you know, keep each, each other person sort of energized. But it's been a, a, a major adjustment is obviously uh, across the country and, and the world. Uh, many other families are dealing with the exact same thing. Uh, and AJ and I have had this conversation on the side is depending on if you're extroverted or introverted is you actually would be saying, hey, the extroverts would be really struggling right now because you, right, you only have that one person to talk to. But we both have uh, spouses that are more introverted and they like they like their space. They like their time alone. So, you know, that you're up in their space more often is a little bit of adjustment, which I could kind of see from a retirement perspective uh, of something that's an adjustment for people too. And that's why I thought maybe Larry, that that could be uh, something where, you know, are you seeing something like that in, in your neighborhood with uh, with what's going on in North Carolina? No, it's just, it's just a very strange time. It's hard to uh, to put into words what we're, what we're seeing, to be honest with you, Ben. People are much more likely to be in tune with people that are around them, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. and to, uh, to want to reach out and spend time. And so that's what I see is people caring about people. And our, our community is a little bit unique because everybody has moved here. In this part of North Carolina, our development is 400 on the homes on the way to being 800. Two of the homes are, are occupied by North Carolinians. Everybody else is from someplace else, which means they're all Yankees. And that's a term our, our two Southern neighbors use for us, which is just fine. But everybody is caring about everybody else and reaching out. Um, and so that's that's what I see is, is a sense of the community coming together much more quickly than it would have on any other day. Hey. Nice. Um, I have a wrap up question, right? And I, I think there's a lot of people kind of call us and they, they ask about what we think is going to happen next, right? And we don't have a crystal ball. We don't have the magic eight ball that kind of knows exactly what's going on. But I think we all could agree that, you know, life is going to be a little bit different here going forward from lessons that we've learned now. So has, has this health scared really changed health scare plus maybe the market and uh, has it changed any of our outlooks on retirement, whether it be for retirees or pre-retirees? And do we think their attitudes and behaviors will change? I'm going to ask Wes that question first in terms of uh, kind of projecting forward. What's what's the thought? Yeah, I, I've actually been trying to give a lot of thought and reading a, a bunch of articles about how the virus may or the or the end of the virus may manifest itself in consumer behavior and other things. And as it relates specifically to retirees, I think I could see, and I'm just projecting, it's just an opinion, people becoming slightly more prone to thrift, people not spending as much, perhaps saving more, which on one end you say, great, that's, you know, the more you save, the better, you know, from a retirement planning standpoint. But for the economy to really keep moving, we need people to be spending. We need to be uh, an economy that's, that's pouring money through the system. So I, but I think you could see um, some of that. I think the other area is that comes to mind is travel. Um, a lot of retirees, and I know Ben on the podcast, you've had, um, you know, a travel agent and talked a lot about um, travel. Uh, I'm interested to see um, how quickly, and I don't just mean in the immediate aftermath over the next few months. Uh, obviously, I think travel will be uh, subdued to a, a huge extent. 
But I'm wondering if there might actually be uh, more permanent changes as a result of this, where people perhaps don't travel as far or feel a little more anxiety or nervous about that. Or similar to what Rhett Larry was saying, people, because they're getting together and spending time with their families now and realizing how important that is, say maybe we'll spend more time doing that as opposed to going to far-flung places or doing the Disney trip. I, I don't know. Um, like you said, there is no crystal ball, but I, I do believe that this will have some uh, lasting changes to behavioral, uh, uh, you know, or consumer spending behavior. I just, I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be yet, but those would be two areas I would, I would think might be affected. And I'd echo too is, uh, I think there's a lot of reasons for why not to do stuff, as you said, like travel, right? Is to kind of, it's, it's easy to kind of go, I always wanted to go to Spain. I always wanted to go do that dream vacation. And it's just this sort of thing, which is very present and uh, very in your face a lot is, uh, is I think a big barrier for someone to overcome. Well, why would I go take that trip that I always wanted to do and look forward to my whole life? So I think there's, there's a level of fear to overcome that may take a while, whether it be, so it's not just maybe financial fear, which is something we overcome with our clients a lot is, can I afford it? How does this impact me? But now also the kind of the logistical uh, fear of what does it mean? And what if I get sick? What if I'm trapped? Uh, Curtis's uh, uh, friend there went to Thailand and and he went for three weeks. He left. Everything was fine. He came back and he's in the middle of uh, trying to get back into a country and in in essentially lockdown, yeah. right? That's a pretty big fear of if you're in retirement and you took a longer vacation than you ever thought, everything was fine when you left. And when you came back, it was not. So I think those are things uh, that are challenges. Chris, any, any thoughts on your side in terms of what you may see for reverb for uh, retirees or pre-retirees here? I don't know. Uh, like Wes, I've been trying to give it a, a lot of thought as to, you know, will things become permanently changed? And, you know, the group activities, the, the knee-jerk re response or thinking might be, okay, cruise ships, who's going to go on a cruise ship? Yet, Carnival Cruise just raised a whole bunch of money in the high-yield market. And uh, so clearly, the investment community thinks that there's still going to be cruise ships post-coronavirus. Movie theaters, are movie theaters going to be a place that people go back to? I think that we have to remember that they're, we're going to go back to a somewhat normal state. And we're not talking about the immediate, you know, next 12 to 18 months, but two years from now, three years from now. So it's, it's hard, as you said, Ben, when you're in the midst of it to even think that far out and say, hmm, you know, what's life going to be like? Is it going to go back to normal? You know, you could apply that even to office space. People have brought up the topic of, are we going to need offices? Because everyone's going to get comfortable with doing these Zoom, um, you know, conferences. I think it'll be hard to have that be a permanent change. Maybe something on the edge. I think Wes's point is right, though. This is a reminder to every retiree that you don't know what might happen in terms of an event that can have an impact on your retirement savings. So being more prudent in spending going forward is probably always a better thing, or at least having a good handle on it. And to AJ's point, putting the right expected return profile on your savings account so that you know your savings, so that you know what you can spend in retirement. Um, so that's what I would say. I'm going to let Abby wrap that up too. Is there any thoughts there from the, from the, again, the planning end and again, maybe in this an attitude or behaviors part here and maybe even specifically going to pre-retirees uh, here. Uh, is there anything that you kind of see there that they might think change the outlook? Um, so a lot of Maine is small businesses, right? Which have basically been decimated and we're a major tourist economy. So all of that is pretty much gone at the moment. So any pre-retirees that own those types of businesses, their retirement plan now is totally thrown off the rails. So I think trying to find a way to help their small businesses rebuild so that Maine's economy itself can rebuild so they can have jobs to give and save for retirement. And what that all looks like will be greatly affected by, you know, the health care system going forward and how how communities react and support small businesses going forward. And I think that's a big piece of it. And how do we come out of this and help people plan for these huge uncertainties? I mean, what small business owner would have known that, you know, a month into we we know a business in 
Portland, they just bought a, a yarn shop and one month or one week after they bought it, they're shut down indefinitely. And how do you plan for that? Um, so I think that's going to be a challenge for us as financial planners going forward is these are things that we may have never seen before, but who knows, this could not be the last time we have these shutdowns due to viruses. Um, so I, I don't really have a great answer, but I do think things are going to have to change and plans are going to have to change. And maybe people are having more in cash than they had before, um, or maybe they're taking less risk or more risk. I, I don't really know. It's all kind of fluid at the moment, but. I do think things are going to change. Uh, and and I, again, I think maybe coaching is part of this too, is, is just mm -hmm. kind of is talking about, well, what are, what are bad scenarios and good scenarios? And these are just a lot more conversations to be having of, of helping people through that. So they're thinking logically about it and not maybe having emotional reactions as they're kind of going through it as in the moment, because sometimes mm -hmm. maybe not zooming out, you're, you're not making the best decision at the time. Well, I want to wrap up the, this kind of our, our first uh, kind of gathering of this on Zoom. This has uh, been great. Thank you all for kind of uh, joining us and great to get the team around the table, kind of offer our thoughts. Hopefully you all found that valuable. Love to receive comments. Um, uh, and each any any of us you can reach out to if you go to our website uh, guidancepointllc.com you can click on our team and all of our all of our bios are there our profiles and you can get our contact info so if you want to reach out to any one of us feel free to do that uh, we welcome any feedback or comments if we can help we'd love to do that we're all kind of native helpers but if you need anything in the meantime let us know but uh, appreciate everyone uh, jumping on Take care. So I think it was really great to have our team assembled today is, is kind of have uh, across maybe our, uh, we call it the, the 240 mile uh, boardroom, right? Is, is from Boston all the way up to, uh, to Island Falls where Abby is uh, got her, her other place. So we kind of have this kind of very long conference table going on and we're all meeting, but you know, what, what's really nice is just kind of for us, we do this uh, from time to time, getting together, sharing lessons, uh, sharing experiences. What are you hearing? What are you, and, and but also to record that right, is, is to share this, uh, obviously in this forum as our retirement success and main podcast is that, Hey, here's client lessons we're, we're experiencing with retirees and pre-retirees and how do we apply it in different ways and how are people experiencing it? And hopefully you listening can, um, can take something from that too. But uh, I know one of the things we always like to do in our wrap up is to take a, take a lesson that we thought was important and highlight that to you. So I'll just start with myself. Uh, a lesson I really liked for, uh, for our conversation today with our team was really about what did we learn from previous bear markets and then how do we apply it to this one? So I think we all had a little bit of a different slant on it. Um, it wasn't kind of universal, but you know, for a lot of us that have been through these before and, and kind of going, all right, well, you know, we learned a, a lot of lessons. One is communication, right? Is And when people are calling and communicating as much as possible, that was something that I, I think people have really enjoyed is, again, we don't, we're, we're fearful, we're scared of what's happening, not only with our money as we see that, that go down in a bear market, but also from our health perspective. And we can sometimes try to take control of things. So that, that was something that was really important uh, for me to, again, I, I kind of was getting into the into the markets right in the early 2000s, right after the tech bubble had burst. So that was a, a really pertinent echo that happened immediately for me. And then also kind of I was being promoted um, in my in my previous role to a portfolio manager overseeing uh, about 300 to 400 clients uh, right pre-financial crisis. So mm -hmm. managing through that was was something that you know, I think there's things that worked well, but also there's lessons I, I learned there. So hopefully that was helpful to everybody there. Abby, I'll turn it over to you in terms of uh, what lesson did you take away from today? Yeah, I found um, it very interesting how differently this pandemic is affecting everyone. Um, obviously, it's turned all of our lives upside down, but it was interesting to hear the different perspectives, right? So whether it's technology issues that you're dealing with working remotely whether it's you're trying to homeschool your kids while work at home, um, or maybe yeah. it's just the general fear of going to the grocery store, which is something so normal that now contains a fair amount of risk to it. So I just found that very interesting to hear everybody's little different take on how it is affecting their daily lives and, and how, how it probably will affect it for at least the next few months and maybe longer. Yeah. So, yeah. 
And Curtis, uh, uh, how about yourself? Was there anything you took away from from that conversation today? Yeah, it's kind of a piggyback on on Abby there. So not only how it's affecting people right now, but how it's going to continue uh, to affect us and how much things may or may not be the same. You know, and I think Chris touched on it uh, in West too, as far as you know, going forward, we're not just talking about the immediate future, but a year from now, two years from now, um, whether it's things like going on vacation or go, getting on that cruise ship or going to concerts and just all these things that, you know, are part of our everyday normal life right now, or they were, they're not right now, but will they ever come back going to restaurants? Our table is going to be set up differently in your favorite restaurant. It's, it's all just, it's fascinating. It's, it's kind of scary. It's different, but it's, it's something that I think we had to think about and we'll have to continue to think about as life goes forward. Yeah. And for our guests too, right? So that's, I think that's something where as we're, as we're introducing guests and in future episodes, uh, we'll have to, uh, we'll be incorporating that more is, is kind of talking about when things go wrong and what happens if, um, you know, we're we're looking to have uh, Carrie Forbringer on again, talking about travel and what happens if um, you are in the midst of travel. And, you know, we talked about retirement, uh, you can take longer trips and you can right. do it in a different way. Well, what if you were taking a longer trip and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're, you're pre pandemic when you uh, leave and you're in pandemic when you are uh, experiencing it. So what does that mean? How do you get back to your house? What about your loved ones? Uh, so I think there's a lot of maybe risk mitigation and, mm-hmm. and kind of conversations that, that are going to happen as part of this of let's talk about success and how do I do the things I want to do? maybe in a new world or maybe with just another few thoughts backing up uh, if something goes wrong. So I think those are all important things to be talking about. Yeah. Again, success in Maine. Uh, we want to make sure people are experiencing not only the best of our state, but also the best life that they can too. And again, it's good, it's good to aspire. And we, I think we all, especially right now, uh, it's always, it's maybe harder to look forward. And uh, when you're, when you're looking down all the time and everything you look at is, is in the news hitting you with COVID-19 24 seven. Mm-hmm. But I think when we're out of this, uh, you know, it might be easier for us to, to do that. So we want to have those resources in place for everybody. Yeah. But hopefully everybody enjoyed uh, a little bit of the conversation today. Again, we are, uh, we're on, this is episode 16. That's right. And uh, good to have everybody uh, join us uh, all the way through this journey. So we're now, uh, I think we're driver's license age at this point, right? That's right. So, <laughs> so if you want to go uh, learn more or see more of the resource, you can go to blog.guidancepointllc backslash 16, and you can find us there. And if you uh, have any thoughts, questions, or want to reach out, love to hear from it. Uh, so just uh, feel free to shoot us an email or a message, uh, whether it be through email or, or Facebook or some social media. Love to hear from you. But until then, we hope you all be safe and uh, looking forward to the next one. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to an information-filled episode of the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. While this show is about finding more ways to improve your retirement happiness, Guidance Point Advisors' mission is to help our clients create a fulfilling retirement. We do financial planning so that people can enjoy retirement and align their monetary resources to their goals. If you're wondering about your own personal success, we invite you to reach out to us to schedule a 45-minute listening session. Our advisors will have a conversation with you about your goals, your frustrations, and your problems. Make sure you check out Guidance Point Advisors on our blog, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always check out more episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, keep on finding your retirement success.